Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey, listeners, you've probably been hearing a lot about chat, GBT, and other AI tools. Well, you're going to hear a bit more about telehealth and AI from Matt McBride about his company, Mend. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Matt McBride, is the CEO and co-founder of Mend, an enterprise-grade patient engagement and tele health platform designed to help healthcare organizations. At MEN, Matt is focused on using the power of telemedicine, AI reminders, digital forms, and more to make it easier for patients and providers to communicate. With deep experience in healthcare tech companies, including One Oncology and Varian Medical Systems, Matt understands how medical offices work and how providers can leverage technology to reduce administrative burden spend more quality time with patients and operate more efficiently. Matt, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be here today. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a bit about your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Mend is a uh, company that um, really myself and three other friends uh, founded and and funded. And we really wanted to make a positive impact in in healthcare and really felt like a lot of modern conveniences that are available to us in other industries uh, were not yet available to us in healthcare. It's still very much, you know, call your doctor to book an appointment, Uh, clipboards to do your forms. You have to go in where, you know, a lot of us are working remotely. Maybe we should be able to see our provider remotely. And so we built a a software platform that we sell to doctor's offices. So think of it as enabling your doctor now to offer self-scheduling online or make changes to your appointment online, um, get reminders through text and email do your forms digitally, um, make payments, uh, uh, you know, have a mobile payment option, whether that's before the appointment or after, um, and even uh, telemedicine. So being able to actually have a visit with your provider in, uh, you know, an audio video format, or uh, maybe even in a messaging format. And then um, I think another big initiative for us this year is uh, two-way messaging. So being able to message back and forth with your healthcare organization or your healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, we definitely know that there is a lot of uh, paperwork and administrative burden and, you know, a lot of our listeners are pharmacists. And so, you know, prior authorizations can sometimes be the bane of our existence when patients are coming to the pharmacy and, you know, we get that drugs not covered and then we're sending it back to the doctor's office and then they're communicating with the insurance company and it's kind of just very like a lot of triangulation happening. Uh, but yes, even, you know, as a, as a patient, um, 
you know, that ease of communicating and booking things is, you know, needed. I mean, we've got that with, you know, things like um, a massage or hair or what, you know, any kind of modern conveniences and services. Why wouldn't we have uh, that with um, our healthcare providers? So um, I think that's, that's exciting. So um, do, I, I see you've got a background in some other healthcare tech companies. Um, are you in, involved on the tech side or did you all have some, some technology founders to help kind of get this rolling? Yeah, I, I, um, there was, I had founded, uh, you know, I was a co-founder of an ed tech company and I did initially, uh, build all of the technology for, for that company. Um, starting uh, this company, uh, we started immediately with an engineering team. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm decent at, uh, um, you know, building technology, um, but I stayed away from the code uh, this time, and I think that's uh, that, that's been a wise move. There are definitely people that are much better at it than than I am. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm still sort of the the, the tech founder, um, and uh, another a good friend of mine, co-founder, also one of our largest investors, was really sort of the uh, sales. Uh, arm to the the deal, so I kind of brought the tech. He he brought the sales uh, end of it, and um, you know. But but funny enough, I mean, we do have uh, some pharmacies that are uh, customers, um, and uh, I think uh, there are some opportunities there, um, especially when the patient isn't. Uh, at the pharmacy or at your location. I think that's really when our software becomes powerful, whether you need to get forms completed, you want to have a secure two-way conversation, but do it in a frictionless way, right? Do it in a way where the patient doesn't have to register for a portal or download an app or, or anything like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so we definitely have a, a couple pharmacists that are customers. And I, I think we have uh, some others in the pipeline as well. Um, so, you know, specialty pharmacy is, a, is an area, right, where you, they rarely ever see the patient. The patient is uh, always remote, typically. And so our, our technology could be powerful in that situation. Yeah, I, well, I love that you brought up specialty pharmacy, because that is something that the patient engagement piece is so important when patients are taking these high cost, um, very complex medications. And so leveraging technology to be able to um, send reminders or uh, communicate back and forth um, is probably a real positive in that scenario. And then of course, you know, we've got all kinds of pharmacies doing clinical services and you know, you've got refill reminders and um, just all different things that, you know, could also help with the patient experience um, when they go to the pharmacy. Uh, so maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what you see as kind of the future of patient engagement. And, you know, we hear a lot about the digital front door and how patients, you know, kind of enter into the your care. Um, what do you, what do you see as kind of the future of patient engagement? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think um, you know AI is is definitely going to play some sort of a meaningful ro- role, um, especially as I think more and more healthcare will begin. Uh, will will really, I guess the 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 expansion of virtual healthcare, I guess, is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. That I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot more opportunities to get healthcare remotely. And so you're going to see AI potentially playing a role in a number of different ways. Um, there's uh, technology that can get you know, capture your vitals just through your web camera, whether that's on your computer or your phone. So things like blood pressure, heart rate, um, heart rate variability, all sorts of other uh, potential uh, vitals. Um, so uh, I think we'll see that we'll see, um, you know, language barriers, uh, handled, uh, potentially even, um, AI handling the documentation for the provider or the pharmacist during an encounter so that those, uh, you know, a lot of the administrative burdens can be, you know, moved out of their way. Um, so I think, you know, we'll definitely see more and more. Uh, virtual uh, healthcare is part of that um, uh, maybe continuum of, of care. Um, so, uh, you know, one, one kind of, you know, since we've sort of touched on specialty pharmacy and, and uh, 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 that a little bit, um, you know, one example is we've seen, uh, you know, telemedicine visits uh, for uh, specialty pharmacy patients to, you know, get them on a more affordable um, uh, prescription, or or get them on a, on an option that um, is is less expensive, or get them in a pharmacy where they they have the best rates on on that given uh, medication. So, um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that and see virtual care playing more of a role. And I think more and more, as far as the digital front door is concerned, we're going to see organizations offering you know, patient self-scheduling, you'll do your forms, uh, you know, quickly, easily on, on your mobile device, you'll make your payments uh, on, on your mobile device quickly and easily. And then, you know, maybe even see the the doctor through your phone as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um, can certainly uh, reduce some of those, you know, trips to the physical office or waiting in the waiting room um, so, or, you know, if you're, sometimes you just feel too sick to even make it out to the, the doctor's office. So, um, a lot of great opportunity with telemedicine, um, for sure. Now, of course, you know, you all are, are integrating in AI for a couple different purposes. And, um, do you also see any use of um, remote patient monitoring currently being fed into uh, your software and, and how to better, um, you know, keep the providers uh, in the loop with how patient care is going? Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, we we don't necessarily integrate with remote patient monitoring. Um, but, uh, that, uh, certainly can complement 
our platform and, and what we do. So um, I think, you know, that is going to continue to be an important and evolving uh, space, um, especially for, uh, you know, high risk populations, especially as healthcare continues to move in the direction of value-based care. Um, I think it, it's going to become more and more prevalent, but there's still some obstacles there, right? I, I really, I really believe some of the technology and in, in what is emerging and what you can capture through a web camera, that could be really interesting in terms of remote patient monitoring. Um, in most cases with remote patient monitoring, I mean, you still need some sort of device, some sort of equipment, um, and then you've got to be able to reliably transmit the data from that device. And then you have to reliably integrate that back potentially uh, to uh, the medical record. Um, maybe somebody even has to crunch the data. You've got to have folks, you know, reaching out, touching base. Um, so you, you've got to be checking in with the person on a, on a regular basis. Um, there's still some friction potentially in that process between managing devices, uh, internet connections, integrations, all these having staff to, you know, contact the person. Um, you know, so how will that evolve with devices that maybe we already have? on our wrist, um, or even, you know, uh, what might we be able to capture through, uh, you know, a webcam or, or other devices, uh, that would be, um, you know, maybe a little bit easier, a little bit, uh, more frictionless for patients to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Matt, what, uh, you know, there's been, some great acceleration of adoption of some of these technologies with um, the pandemic and, um, you know, allowing for more telemedicine. Um, they've, you know, extended those uh, offerings and things. Have you run into any kind of barriers or any regulatory issues or, you know, maybe, even just um, talking about, you know, early adopters or late adopters, how um, maybe first talk a little bit about barriers, like just in the regulatory space. And then maybe um, who have you seen really kind of jump on? Uh, have there been any like specific areas within medicine that have been really, uh, that have really embraced this technology or any laggards uh, that you see? Sure. Is it? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, be behavioral health is is by far um, there. I mean, uh, it, it will be rare in a few years to receive any sort of mental health care, I think, in person, unless it's a little bit more intensive inpa inpatient type of type of care. Um, so behavioral health, I think it's absolutely exploded. Um, but, uh, no, it's actually really timely and, and a great question to ask about the, the regulatory environment. You know, uh, while we are still in uh, a public health emergency, um, there are waivers that allow providers to use non-HIPAA compliant solutions to provide care to patients. So you could use FaceTime if you want, WhatsApp. Um, you know, all of these uh, maybe 
you know, maybe you're using Zoom, but it's not a HIPAA compliant version or what, what have you. you. You've really been allowed to use whatever you want. And then you've got this uh, omnibus package that was just passed that um, extends the majority of the telehealth waivers through 2024. So uh, last year, there was a 151-day extension uh, post a public health emergency for telehealth. Now they've just, uh, in the omnibus package, extended it for uh, uh, almost two years. We'll see the, the public health emergency was just renewed, so we'll see when that actually expires. Now, when that public health emergency expires, you will, not, you will, you will then be required to use a HIPAA-compliant uh, uh, software of some kind, which is, which would be like a solution like mend. And so we've definitely seen a lot of organizations that did not want to flex on that, that, you know, take the privacy of their patients information seriously. And just, you know, from day one, even though it was a, we were in public health emergency and the government said you could use whatever you want, you know, they use secure tools. I suspect there's a lot of organizations that aren't using HIPAA compliant uh, solutions. So, you know, the, the public health emergency, you know, may, you know, it, it could potentially end this year, meaning, you know, there could be a lot of people scrambling to find uh, solutions again that are, that are HIPAA compliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just uh, maybe also speaking to the uptake by providers um and have you gotten any like feedback from patients on their uh satisfaction yeah i I mean our uh satisfaction rating we capture ratings at the end of of every video visit i think patients um usually around 98 percent satisfaction ratings on our platform with with telehealth um, providers are usually in the 96 to 97 percent uh, range. So um, I think both sides see it uh, as a as a win. And um, I think it makes sense. I think uh, healthcare organizations are constantly trying to um, deal with no shows and, and maybe other uh, inefficiencies in the in the business. Um, and uh, telehealth is uh, proven to be a viable uh, option. In, in 2022, our average no-show rate for telehealth visits was 7.4%. Um, the national average for uh, no-shows in the U.S. for in-person visits is probably you know somewhere around 23%. Um, so, you know, the healthcare organization can really benefit. I think a lot of the providers like the flexibility and the, the opportunities that, that it presents for hybrid uh, care. And then, um, the healthcare organizations and the providers are are rewarded with better attendance rates because it's more convenient for, for patients, right. To be able to skip that travel time, to not have to be around other sick people, um, you know, arrive at a waiting room, wait, go into the exam room, wait some more, see the nurse, wait some more for the provider. Like there's, there's just a lot of benefits and conveniences. So it seems to be something that, I mean, all all the different research studies I've seen, it definitely seems to be something, um, that, you know, both patients, providers and healthcare organizations want to lean into and are seeing value from. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, that's great. Exciting to to see, um, you know, it's crazy. We have, you know, we have all these uh, big goals with, with health care, but sometimes it takes uh, something like a crisis or pandemic to really accelerate that adoption of, of things. So I'm um, excited to see uh, where this goes and um, all of the different things that, that AI can help with. Um, so Matt, uh, one of the questions that I love to ask all of our guests uh, kind of at the end is what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? Uh, what a, what a, what a big question. Um, uh, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't start companies from, don't build companies from nothing. It's, it's, it's much harder than, than you think. Uh, no, um, uh, no, I think um, I think that uh, really trying to find things that you're uh, passionate about, things that uh, have purpose to them, right? Like and maybe things that you would do for free. Um, I think you know you want to uh, you, you know you invest a lot of time into, you know, your career or ventures or whatever it is. I mean, it's going to be a significant part of your, your life and the time that you, you spend in your life when, during your, during your working years, I think the more you can try to figure out, you know, what you're really passionate about, what you're really good at, what you would do for free, um, what has sort of purpose in it to help, um, uh, maybe help other people, whether, whether just maybe just have an impact in your community, right. Or it doesn't have to be something that is going to change the world or, you know, um, uh, you know, be something that's super massive, but, but something maybe that's just going to, uh, um, you know, move us all in, in, in a little bit more positive direction. I think, um, the, the, uh, I think really sort of knowing that and understanding, uh, that more uh, has definitely been helpful uh, for me and uh, advice that I've given to other people, and uh, I think makes uh, uh, makes a difference in just uh, getting a lot more fulfillment out of out of what you do in your your, your working life. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great. I think you had an awesome answer to that. Um, and yeah, startup life is probably really, really hard. Um, I think that there's more entrepreneur focus in uh, pharmacy curriculum these days, which is great because you really do, you have to kind of think like an entrepreneur and able to do that design thinking and problem solving so that we, we have these really complex things. Like we have, we have some really great healthcare in the US, but there's also some really big opportunities to, you know, update and improve the seamlessness. And so to think, you know, more entrepreneurially about that, um, is, is, is good. And, um, kudos to those who are brave enough to, 
trudge through and um, start companies. But yes, we you want to spend your your life those like important working years doing something that you enjoy. Um, so I, I love that answer. Um, well, Matt, best of luck to you guys at Mend. How can pharmacists or other listeners learn more about uh, some of the um, solutions that you all provide? Yeah, uh, Mend.com, M-E-N-D.com. Pretty, pretty simple. Um, we, have a, we have a great resources section there. So uh, lots of uh, informative content. We share a lot of our data and, and uh, you know, KPIs and, and other things like that that could be really valuable to people. Um, and uh, we even have uh, some free telehealth uh, that's available through through our website. So, um, yeah, just um, mend.com. And uh, uh, we've got uh, lots of, uh, of, of uh, informative information there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. It was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here, Hillary. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.